0: Lungs, lips, fingers, all of that.
1: That's also the same uh, motto with Scottish food. (laughs)
0: Hey-oh, I like haggis.
1: Hello and welcome to WNC Original Music, episode 173, the Mueller Comet episode. Very happy, very happy to have on the podcast this week, Andrew Thelson of the Andrew Thelson Band. Uh, Andrew Thelson Band was voted the number one favorite rock band of the best of WNC contest in, uh, for 2023, so the most recent one. And um, there's a lot to Andrew's um, biography and the band's biography and what's going on with them today, but we talk a lot about that in the episode itself, so uh, I just want to mention what a great guy Andrew is. He's got a lot of projects, he's very talented, but also he is one of, if not the most supportive uh, musician in the Asheville area. He was um, instrumental, I think, in getting this podcast off the ground or getting going in the early days. He was one of the first uh, individual musicians that was on the show when we um, went from doing, like recording a bunch of uh, open mics to doing uh, long form interviews and that sort of stuff. So we just uh, was very happy to have him involved in that. And that really made a difference in the podcast. And it's very much appreciative, appreciated. It's appreciative and appreciated. Uh, And he's also been very supportive of the podcast uh, ever since then. This is the first time he's been on since then. It's been a few years, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe he thinks he's better than the podcast. No, not really. Uh, But anyway, we're going to be talking about his new EP, Illuminated Plastic, which is uh, just a fantastic EP. We're going to hear more about that later. Also on this episode is Courtney Cahill, who is a drummer around town in several different projects that you'll hear him talking about. Um, But he's uh, also a super talented, super supportive uh, Asheville musician. Courtney's on as the uh, guest interviewer, by the way. And one project he does is the Rocky Horror Music Show. Rocky Horror Music Show? But uh, it's just the music of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and they do a a live stage show with a lot of musicians, including Andrew Thelson and a lot of other talented people. And it has just become just fantastically successful. Uh, So look for information about that in the show notes. We had so much fun talking. We're actually going to have a bonus episode. So look for that in the next few days. Uh, It'll be just uh, an extended interview, uh, even uh, longer than this one. The same interview, but just, you know, extra parts. You know what a bonus episode is. You're not done. All right, I've talked longer than I ever talk on these intros. Uh, Look for Andrew's music at AndrewThelston.com. Here is Andrew Thelston.
2: She'll try to cut me with a slice of a knife This situation's reality
0: up song right there. Uh, yeah, this one, I, you know, all of these songs, uh, the way that I write stuff usually, um, in the past, of course, like I've recorded everything by myself, which, uh, it's, I did it the first album like that because I'm such a big fan of Prince and Paul McCartney and Dave Grohl and all of their first albums. They did that. They... Um, you know, they, they, uh, played all the instruments and did the whole thing. And, you know, I kind of needed that to sort of like decompress from the band that I had been in for like 10 years. Um, so it was kind of nice to sort of just go through that and feel good about the product, which my debut album, I was really proud of that. But since then I have steadily been incorporating other musicians and stuff. And on that track, uh, Roddy Wilder, he's playing bass on it, and uh, he just n- nails it. He had just bought a six string um, active bass, and you can really kind of hear that that pump, um, that funky pump that he's got coming out of that thing, and it's just a very specific sound. And most of the time with any guitar player or bass player, you the, the sound is going to be in those fingers. And um, you can definitely hear his fingers just kind of going for it. And I remember when we were recording it, he was like, hey, man, can can I use a pick on this? And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, no, use your fingers. He's like, well, it's just kind of hard. And I was like, what? I was like, you're one of the funkiest bass players I know. Like, like no. Like, use, use your, you know, I had to, like, really kind of convince him. But we sculpted it up, and he just nailed it. And it needed that, like, driving And I wrote that bass line with him in mind. And that's the thing that I've kind of done lately, and especially all over this EP. I've written parts for the musicians that are around me to do, to showcase them, which, you know, like I can't, I can't perform without great musicians. I can't perform without a great band. So to kind of just showcase them, which I do at all my shows. I always kind of give people solos. You know, uh, Carrie Morrison, who's been playing with me, I we always play some of her songs. We always play some of Roddy's songs. You know, uh, Walker Aston, when he's playing bass with me, I always kind of give him songs and showcase tunes that he's arranged or put together. So, you know, I always give Jeff a drum solo. You know, we always kind of throw that stuff out there. Do you write any drum
1: parts? Do you write, yes, part, you do you write, part, part, write those
0: up? So, fun story about that, um, the whole idea, the whole thing with recording, as you guys know, you guys have all, you know, you guys have gone down that rabbit hole, it can be kind of a hard thing for, for songwriters and drummers in particular, and, you know, I see those eyebrows moving on Courtney, um, <laughs> Yeah, it can be kind of a difficult thing where like maybe a singer songwriter has like a specific idea that a drummer can't get behind and you know, uh, it's one of those things where when Jeff came into the band, you know, he hadn't done a lot of recording and we had to kind of learn how to coexist and how to have it be as much about him and his drum parts as it is about what's serving the song. And that's the whole thing. Like, I I, I sit there, whenever I write things, I demo them out beyond anything. Mm. And I have the ideas, and I get the structure, and I'm like, all right, here's the arrangement, here's the orchestration, and all that kind of stuff. And usually, you know, I mean, like, I'm I'm not an awful drummer, but I'm also not a drummer. Mm. Like, I love drums. And, like, that's the number one thing that I think, like, recordings now, it's it's all drums like the biggest arguments you'll ever hear in a recording session are how are the how are the drums supposed to sound what is the part and then whatever's happening with the vocals everything else is kind of like sure let's try it but there's so many like arguments that will happen (laughs) over drums and vocals it can be an exhausting thing Um, but he and i figured out how to work together on this ep and basically i was just like here are the songs. Let me take out my dumb drum parts and then send it to him and have him work these parts up. And it was, it was so good. It turned out so great. And yeah, I'm super happy with how everything sounds on this. And it's because he wrote these parts. He kind of came in and was like, oh, and he's been playing with me for so long too that like, you know, you can kind of hear that in this. And that's why I'm so proud of this EP and like where this thing is going. Um, It takes a while to trust musicians, you know, and me being a control freak like Courtney. (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm a control enthusiast. Yeah, control enthusiast. That's I like that term better. You know, being a control freak, like I want things a certain way. I want them to be that thing. But like, I will not argue with anybody coming in with something that sound that makes that elevates the song. So like that's the only thing that I have that's the only rule I have is like let's elevate this work let's work as a team to make this the best thing that it's going to be and every one of these songs sounds better because I have the best musicians around me you know that perform with me regularly like on it you know and I've written a lot of these songs and these parts uh for these musicians and you know Jeff and Roddy just bring it on this track. And it's just, like, a funky, like, big-time introduction. Like, you are now... This is the world you are in. And I kind of really, like, worked hard on that instrumentation. And this whole EP, too. Like, I should have just called it, like, Andrew Buys a Telecaster. Because, (laughs) like, I've got this Eastwood uh, Mad Cat Prince copy. And Prince was famous for playing a Telecaster, but he didn't play a, a Fender. I'm such a dork. I'm going... For those of you listening to the podcast right now, Andrew's diving into guitar nerd. Telecaster is a guitar.
1: Fender is a company that makes guitars. Yeah.
3: So, Andrew, my, my
0: first bullet point is,
3: did you play that purple guitar on this track? Because it sounds like it.
1: Oh,
0: all over the
1: place. And it's just like,
0: it's the perfect rhythm guitar. Um, now, for the guitar solo, I definitely used that Les Paul. And that's also, right. you know, along with like the funk that I'm just so just violently influenced by. I love heavy rock stuff. So there's so much of that in this track. And even the guitar solo, I was listening to it today and I was like, man, that's like the most Mars Volta guitar solo thing that I have ever done. Another huge influence on me. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of cool to, to kick that out and to kind of, you you, know, were
1: you? Am I, do I have this wrong? Were you in a Mars Volta cover band one time? That was the first time project. ever
3: That was the first time I ever saw you play was at uh in that Mars Volta tribute band. Really? I didn't know I that. I think so. Yeah, yeah. That was amazing.
0: What did you think?
3: The whole band was amazing. It was ridiculous. Like that stuff is so hard to cover. But this this that.
0: interview is about me. What did you think about me? <laughs> <Right. that?
1: laughs> oh, you were amazing. I'll add a part about the band, Andrew. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nah, that was uh yeah, I've always loved that band. That was one of my I remember being, you know, not to date myself or whatever, but being in high school and skipping class to go buy the second Mars Volta album, Francis the Mute. Um, and just being blown away. Um, and yeah, it's cool to kind of incorporate some of those wilder influences, you know, on these tunes and stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the, I'm always trying to be better as a producer, too. And, you know, kind of throw that, you know, there's a level of like weird stuff that I like to throw in there because... You know, I just, that's my palate. That's what I listen to. You know, that's what I like.
1: I skipped school to uh, buy Quiet Riot tickets. Is that, not to date myself, yeah.
0: It is that Quiet Riot with Randy Rhodes or without?
1: I don't know It was like 82, I guess. So without, yeah. all right. No, you really no,
0: did Randy just Ford. pinpoint yourself right there.
3: You <laughs> <laughs> skipped kindergarten. Right. This leadoff track is so perfect for you, Andrew, just because it's like literally like the Prince feel goes on like, you know, the first five seconds is like, you know, that, that funky Prince feel. And then Roddy comes in with that. I literally wrote like his tone is so amazing and the feel is so funky. So he immediately puts that out there. Like, it's just, it's a perfect introduction to your sound. If no one's heard you, like, you know, the whole, the whole gamut of your spectrum, like just on one track.
0: Thanks man. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. good that it comes off like that. Cause that's kind of, that's what I was wanting. <laughs> yeah. So.
3: You have such a stamp on your stuff. I would never, if I heard that song, out of the blue, I would know
1: it's you in about, you know, 30 seconds. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, your voice is obviously very distinct, but I agree. You're, you're, even before that comes in, you can always tell uh, Andrew Thelson's song. Uh, I'm just piggybacking on what, uh, Courtney said <laughs> to be part of. Oh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's,
0: and that's, that's really, that's more what I care about more than anything. Cause again, going back to me being like a big Prince nerd, I, I've read these, uh, you know, Again, all right, so those of you listening to the podcast, Andrew starts talking about Prince. So there are these two books that I bought recently, and they're like encyclopedias of Prince's recording habits. There's one book between 1983 and 1984, and then 85 and 86. And in those four years, he recorded—that's all he did was record and then, like, occasionally perform. Like, he was constantly recording and just kind of goes into those habits and stuff and, like— You know, he was so... You know, they talk about the difference between Prince and Michael Jackson. And it was... Prince would get the song done in six hours and Michael Jackson, it would take six months. And, like, they're both amazing things. But, like, Prince could get it done. And it was just like a factory of music with him. And, uh, you know, that's... I, I, I like that. In an ideal world, I would be recording constantly and then going out and like playing gigs of course you know like i i do the music teaching and and you know the performance stuff a little bit more than the recording but like i just love producing music so much i love producing original music so much i'm like you know that's my mo
3: i was gonna say i'm always surprised how often you're posting something on social media where you're demoing something like constantly writing songs and demoing like it's like you know, three or four days a week, you're recording something, it seems like. Yeah,
0: and it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, I, if it perks up my ear, if I'm like, oh, that's cool, I'm going to ride that idea until I can't. So that's why I demo stuff so much. And you also have, have kind of, uh, you've discovered a thing that I try to not blast out there, but when I have an idea that I really like, I'll put a little video of it, and there are videos of these songs, Mm -hmm. if you go back to my social media stuff, where I think they're cool, and so if I think it's cool, I will put it up, you know, as like, here's my demo, and kind of see, like, the reaction it gets. And if I get, like, a lot of people like, man, that's awesome, when's that song coming out? I'm like, sweet, I need to throw, I need to expand on this, so I can kind of, like, if I can kind of bare bones it with a bass line or a guitar part, or even like drum part or vocal thing, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. I'm like, sweet. I need to lean into that and continue that work. So it's a good way to sort of see what people are into, you know.
1: Have you ever gotten any, when you've done that, have you ever got any like s- distinctly negative input?
0: <laughs> uh, not really. Yeah, mean, yeah. Most What's of a- the people that follow me on, you know, Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, they're all
1: pretty positive yeah yeah Yeah. that's what i was thinking i mean i've never seen anything remotely close to that you know
0: every Um, actually there was a thing there was somebody that maybe on
1: youtube yeah
0: even on youtube it's not too (laughs) bad there was a there was a a guy somebody posted something on one of my it was one of the tribute shows that i did um the led zeppelin thing and they're like vocals sound pretty good but that guitar work that guitar needs work or something like that and i i didn't even see it for like a day or something and then like three or four other people were like coming to my like defense on <laughs> it and they were like Andrew's awesome how dare you and I was like that's cool that like people care about my guitar playing yeah, and yeah, stuff like that's cool yeah, that I don't really have to fight these battles you
1: don't say that Andrew Thelston you come here say come here to... yeah. yeah especially
3: you're being Robert Plant and Jimmy Page like come on dude right. <laughs> like right. come on
0: So this track, uh, obviously, there's a ton of saxophone tracks on that, and that's my boy Miles um, from Dr. Bacon, and of course the Rocky Horror Music Show, which uh, that gentleman right over there controls uh, with his sweet, sweet hands. Um, uh, yeah, I've been doing that's the me. Rocky Horror thing. What is this? Our third year that we're you doing. it think like yeah.
1: it was me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we've been doing the Rocky Horror Music Show, and um, that's been awesome. It has been super fun, and it is like a, a yeah, it's, I, I enjoy every moment of that.
3: Is that how you met Miles?
0: Yeah. I didn't know him before. Now, he and I have had an issue, along with Josh Clark, where everybody confuses us for the other one. Um, <laughs> yeah. We kind of look the same, because we have curly hair, you know, Swedish features, and uh, you know, glasses, and you know, we're all multi-instrumentalists, so like, it's confusing. Miles he told me once that he went into like one stop with his saxophones and he has my sticker on his sax case. So he comes in and he's getting ready to jam or something. And they're like, Oh man, I didn't know you played saxophone too. And he's like, yeah. Like, you know, and he's like, <laughs> it's like, Oh. And they start, they start talking to him about my band. And he's like, Oh I, yeah, I guess he's okay. Like and he's like, Oh wait, you're not. And it was like this whole confusion thing. And I've definitely been confused for Josh Clark plenty of times too. So,
3: it's funny. You guys should form a trio.
0: Yeah, we t- I told I, t- I told Miles we should do that. But with this track, I uh, you know, I have got all these like funky guitar lines in there and I've got um Walker Aston playing bass on this one. And we had it and I, it was one of those things where I wrote the lyrics kind of like in like one night lyrics melodies, all that kind of stuff and just laid it down and I was like, "Sweet." I was like, this is kind of coming together. It's starting to sound like a song. And then it came to the part where I start adding synthesizers. Um, and nothing I could do made any sense at all with the, with the synthesizers. And that's usually like my go-to to sort of fill out the sound. And I was like, I was like, damn it. Like, what does this song need? Like this is just sounding like, I don't know. It's not, it's not what I want for the full thing to be. And I was like, I need something that I haven't done before. And that's always, you know, that's another thing, you know, with as many songs and albums that I've been a part of and produced and all that kind of stuff. I haven't recorded a saxophone since college. (laughs) And Miles hit me up. I don't know. I think we had like a Rocky Horror music show back in January in Charlotte, and he was like, hey, if you got any tracks, and I was like, well, I got this one that I don't know what the hell needs to be on it, but probably a saxophone. I was like, why don't you write something? So he kind of came up some parts, and we got together, and, you know, my memories of recording saxophone in college was, oh, God, I've got to auto-tune all of this. <laughs> and with Miles, I didn't have to auto-tune anything. It was just so refreshing to be around somebody who knows an instrument like that, which if you know anything about playing saxophone, like lungs, lips, fingers, all of that, like it's a completely different ball game than playing like guitar, bass, or drums.
1: That's also the same uh, motto with Scottish food. (laughs) Hey-oh,
0: I like haggis. Don't you be bad-mouthing haggis, man. That's some good stuff. But yeah, uh, you know, with the way that miles kind of came in, and we just kind of kind of sculpted it up together on top of like, again, just the awesome rhythm section of Jeff and Walker. and um, you know, you know it's kind of an interesting thing, you know, people are like, "Why do you have two different bass players on this project?" It's because you know, everybody's in different bands around here. And I play with Walker and I play with Roddy basically equally like it's about 50-50 like if you go out to see me you're gonna see either Walker or Roddy and you know you got a 50-50 chance of seeing either one of them you know out there and they both bring different qualities to that instrument and Walker is definitely more kind of classic rock driven prog rock stuff from the 70s and Roddy leans more on like the funky side um you know, while also having like a lot of like metal chops in him. Uh, but yeah, with this track, you know, like, uh, you know, I think that was also kind of a fun thing to do. As I was talking about earlier, writing songs for me, for my fellow musicians to like be showcased on. Because there are some sick bass parts on that. And those bass parts kind of led to Miles kind of, you know, playing along with those bass parts, basically. Um, basically, hey-o, um, dad joke, uh, so, um, yeah, Walker's totally shredding
3: under the solo at the end, like, it's crazy, he just lets loose and just going crazy. Yeah,
0: and I was like, I was like, that would be awesome, and he's doing, like, in the second verse, he's got this, like, like, ascending line of these horns, and he brought, I mean, like, you've seen him with the Rocky Horror Music Show, he comes out with three horns, and, like, can play them equally, amazingly and like he knows how to stack these parts too and like I think it was kind of it was fun you know I don't want to speak for him or anything but like I think it was fun for him to be like oh I can do whatever I want right here like let's put 15 saxophone tracks on here which is what we did we doubled the bass on stuff and you know kind of coming up with these harmonies on the spot that stuff is really fun because like I've got a big background in improv like in jazz that's what I went to college for um was jazz guitar and recording and so it's kind of fun to like throw those ideas around with somebody where like you know I played trumpet poorly in middle school and high school I've never once tried to pick up a saxophone but it's cool to be able to you know bounce those ideas back and forth uh with an instrument that I could never play to that capacity and uh it was really fun I was it was something different I've never you know like I said I haven't had a saxophone on anything that I've recorded since college so
3: that's got to be interesting to produce something that you don't have the actual experience in playing like just working with the actual musician to bounce ideas that
0: yeah and it's it's and this track too in particular, didn't have a bass line like it sort of it had my crappy bass line that I was like, oh, well, you know, gun to my head, that's that would be a fine bass line. But with Walker, with the tracks with Walker, I was pretty much like, here are the chords that I'm playing, make it up, figure it out. And we would do kind of, you know, a couple different passes of his ideas and then we would kinda, you know, I would guide him to sort of stuff that I needed to happen maybe in the, the line or whatever rhythmically or, you know, lining up with the guitar, but, you know, for the most part, you know, all of Walker's songs, he was just kind of like writing what he felt and kind of throwing these fills in and reacting to the vocals and the drums and, you know, yeah, pretty fun stuff for sure.
1: Is Miles playing all uh, tenor sax on these parts? Hi.
0: Tenor, Barry, and a couple, like, okay. uh, I thought I
1: heard a bear song in there. It's had a uh, uh, For sure. Uh, that ba- when he pulled that... Some, some of it, I think.
0: Yeah, when he pulled that Barry yeah. out, I was
1: like, ooh.
0: I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, there's a good Beatles track off of the White Album. Uh, the Savoy Truffle. Truffle. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah, dude. Those, <laughs> those sax parts are so good. Yeah. And, you know... All right, so this is the part in the podcast where Andrew starts talking about the Beatles. Um <laughs> They said that when they recorded those, George Martin came in when George Harrison was, you know, producing the sax players and stuff. He's like, "Oh, these are a little distorted, a little bright sounding." And George Harrison turned to him. He's like, "Yeah, and I like it." And like, yeah. Yeah. you know, so it was, you know, I was just had that kind of that sound in my head, and um, that was the only. Thing I told Miles and I don't know if it really sounds like that, but you know, like it sounds like miles is what it sounds like So I was just really stoked to have a completely different instrument
1: on there George Harrison had quite a few solo songs with uh, a lot of sax on it, too
0: For sure. Yeah later in the 70s and 80s. He loved he loved them, yeah. so, and I can definitely understand why so
3: Andrew I have a pitch for you a project where it's Beatles songs with Prince playing on them.
0: I, I could yeah That would be something
3: you can meld your two loves yeah i think this is the uh this is a hit song i think talk with you like i literally wrote that down as a bullet point i like i really like all of these songs but like i could totally hear this one as as a very popular single
0: thanks man yeah i i appreciate that yeah it's you know and i'm never good at like you know oh hey this is this is the song that you know like i can't gauge that stuff anytime i like put these songs out I always like kind of run like some tests with people that I trust like you guys yeah. and um you know send them out early and I'm like hey which one do you think should be the single which one do you mm-hmm. think I should like have a music video for and all that kind of stuff so
1: I like Point of View as a single though that was my favorite, favorite?
0: well and that's also the good thing too like I you know with with the uh with it being like a five-song EP, I originally I'm always like, oh, I gotta put an album out. I gotta put an album out. But like the the business now, you know, I put I put an EP out in 2020, um, which I spent most of 2020 just kind of refining that, working on that, and getting it together, which was nice um, because of everything that was going on. Um, but I only put out like one music video for that. So it was, I kind of felt like it was sort of swallowed like the rest of the song. There's one really cool video with Rebecca O'Quinn doing the dancing and I was really happy with that video but I should have done what I've done with this and put these videos out, you know, just kind of spend the time kind of talking about this. So it's just like the business of, you know, single driven, EP driven markets versus full 10, 11, 12, you know, I mean, like I remember it was a Blood Sugar Sex Magic doesn't have like 17 tracks on it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those are, those days are kind of gone. Um, if you're not the Red Hot Chili Peppers.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think, um, certainly the business model is singles. And I think videos, even if it's just lyric videos or animation, um, cause people consume it visually. I mean, they, they go to Spotify, but if they can watch it and listen to it, it's even better.
1: I have an idea yeah, to right. put out videos that are just scenes from movies that already have songs to them, but you you're like I think my song would be better in this movie. So you just That would work. Just, and now I mean it's easy to there's a lot of places online where you can take out just the di- you know, take the music out and leave the uh, dialogue of a movie and then just insert your insert your song in there, you know. This time. would be great
0: in Titanic when it's yeah. going down. <laughs> yeah. I mean it'd
1: be you'd have to keep you'd have to keep posting it because they'd keep taking it down. But I mean, you know, that's right, the, right. that's the guerrilla marketing part of it.
0: This was a, a fun one where I got to kind of, you know, being generally, you know, Carrie Morrison's only really been playing keys for us for about a year now, um, regularly. But uh, prior to that, we've been a three-piece. And one of my big influences uh, is the police. So we cover a couple of police songs. And, you know, Jeff really has like this kind of, I told him in a couple spots when we were recording this, and he came up with this awesome beat. And the beat is really, like, I like this beat a lot because it's not just like a, a ska thing, as Courtney ha- probably has a lot of opinions about ska music, um, you know, uh, and like the specific drumming that can kind of go along with that, that sort of upbeat ska reggae thing, Um you know, I, he, he came up with this awesome, just fantastic beat. And I was like, sweet. I was like, that's exactly what this song needed. While I'm just kind of holding that, 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 that thing, this chunky thing, while he and Walker are really just kind of being like what we do whenever we cover walking on the moon or whatever, you know, these kind of musical things we've developed while playing covers i'm kind of trying to incorporate those into these like original songs you know i don't think it sounds like the police but there are definitely like policey elements to it
3: right? yeah it's funny i did not i did not pick up on the police part but i have literally my first note is that i love just feeling this they kind of switch between full time to half time in that in that groove and it's like i i love his playing and it it always seems so well thought out like his live in any part like he's like he is so consistent and just has like well thought out parts
0: yeah and he's just like he's a beast he's a he's a fantastic drummer he is Yeah. he really he he's you know he's schooled he went to music school and all that kind of stuff but like along with that he played in punk bands which i think is it's an important thing for anybody playing in like a rock band to have an appreciation for punk and new wave and ska, you know, like it's yeah. it's such an integral part of the rock and roll history since the late seventies that it's like you have to have those chops. And I told him too, whenever we first started playing, he had been playing in like kind of like acoustic groups and a couple jam bands and things like that. So he's kind of laying back on stuff. And I was like, Jeff, I'm not paying you to like i'm paying you to hit the drums so hit the fucking drums so like you know it's that's that's what i wanted was you know i need somebody to bash these things like you know but like to have like the nuance to be able to come up with a groove like that i would never have in a million years come up with a groove like that
3: yeah nor i i was like holy crap that is a cool beat.
0: yeah what i need to do is i need to put up um i'll probably do this too like video comparisons of my demo versus like the final product. Oh, yeah. So I think that would be kind of cool. But yeah, like the the beat that I had was probably just like a, a little drum machine just to keep time with my demo. But um, yeah, it was, uh, I was super, and that was that just kind of goes back to what I've been talking about for this whole thing is just showcasing the musicians around me, letting them be who they are, and, yeah, just kind of being like, here, I don't know, write something. I'm not a drum, you know, I'm not the drummer in this band. You're the drummer in this band. Figure it out. And with Walker, too, like, it was the same kind of thing where I was like, he, these are the chords, you know, here's a couple certain specific things that I need you to do. But other than that, be, be yourself. You know, be yourself, react to the song, and let's write something. And they both just kicked it out, man. They just did so good on this, and it was uh, – it was really fun, and even, like, the keyboard parts, that's not Carrie Morrison on those keyboard parts, but I wrote those knowing Carrie was going to be playing with us. So I wrote these things and recorded them, um, knowing that, like, Carrie was going to eventually, like, you know, something to showcase her abilities on keys and stuff, and, like, that little, uh, that little line that I don't go back to, um, <laughs> which I, when I was writing it, I was like, oh, man, like, it would be awesome to go... Like, should I go back to the... Um, I've got the guitar right here. The That thing, like, I never go back to it in the song. I play it once after the first chorus, and I was like... But it, it's, like, me, and whenever we play it live, it's me and Carrie playing that together. And, like, I don't hear a lot of distorted guitar with, you know, grand piano sounds. So, like, again... You Know, I like to kind of come up with these like new combinations of sounds and stuff.
1: You know, it's interesting you said that because I wrote down uh, it had a little bit of a Jim Steinman feel, yeah, which is where you hear piano and distorted guitar together, dude. Bad out of Hell is such a good album.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah. I also do yeah. like, and I guess there, yeah, with the bells and stuff too. With the, 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 um, yeah, yeah I can, I can kind of hear that. Maybe I did steal all that from Meat Loaf. Sorry, Meat. <laughs>
3: Rest in peace. Hey, Andrew, we haven't talked about lyrics yet. Um, I'd written the note that your lyrics always sound like you're in trouble. <laughs> like you screwed up and you're talking your way out of something by writing a song about it.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, like as a songwriter, it's therapy. And, yeah. you know, I was literally having this conversation with my wife and she's like, is this song about me? Is this song about me? And I'm like, no, like not, not every single song I write is about you, believe it or not.
1: Well, why not? The
0: the the better songs that I have written are about her. But actually, most of these, actually, the wine line is about her. I will say that.
3: So I literally wrote that down. I, I don't have the time to fill your glass of wine or your uh, ears with words is a fantastic line.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. I love that line. And then uh, I'm just exhausted. We've got two little yeah. babies. So I was probably super exhausted. And Jessica yeah. like, was probably saying, like, hey, give me some more wine. And I was like... Are you kidding me? Like, I'm falling asleep yeah. on the couch. Leave me alone, probably, you know. But, you know, th- that kind of spur of the moment. In my song, Time, um, which is my last single that I released before this, uh, she'll love that I'm telling this on a podcast, but she <laughs> has this tendency when she's very, like, frustrated. You know, we've got two little boys. We use that word, frustrated. Um, she slammed the door, and I threw that line into that song, and... <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, she's made it into some other songs. And there's some great songs I've written about her, about just, like, loving her. And that's a lot of those elements on this EP, she's in there with some of this stuff. But a lot of times, I'm just kind of, like, in the moment, like, if I'm just a human reacting to a situation, and I kind of go back to, like, you know, awful people that I've dated in the past... And I think about those things, those, those, those feelings, those emotions, because, you know, it's, it's a universal thing, like love and being rejected, or, or like in this song, it's really kind of like, you know, the whole song, the, the idea I had for it was, you know, somebody shutting you down at like meeting somebody at a party or something, somebody shutting you down before you even get the opportunity to explain yourself to you know present your case so to speak on like why you guys might be really good together and all that kind of stuff like you don't get the opportunity and it was uh, you know I just I don't really think too much about like lyrics (laughs) you know I just kind of go with my gut so to speak and just like whatever makes sense with like the melodies and the, the actual like music and stuff and you know I was
3: Having written, having written songs for so long, do you, are you just kind of over the fear of people reading into them or thinking, like, just assuming they're about you and your wife, or do you care about that much anymore?
0: I mean, I'm I'm on, you know, like, I, I don't care. I mean, like, they, they come from somewhere, and I mean, you know, there's so many songs that, like, Bob Dylan and Paul McCartney and Prince even wrote, and you know, Neil Young, you know, another guy that's just written so many songs. They're not all about Their significant others at that time or whatever, you know, it's, you know, once you kind of get into that mode of creativity, you can kind of take on these different roles of like, you know, this isn't Andrew, this didn't, all of this didn't happen to Andrew. Maybe bits and pieces of that has happened to Andrew in the past or currently or whatever, but they all kind of come together in this moment. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going that route of, Airing dirty laundry through songs and stuff, you know.
3: Nick Lowe talked about that on Mark Marin years ago. He was like, "It's a narrator, you know. It's just because I'm singing it from my, you know, first person perspective. The song, yeah. it's a character, it's a narrator, it's not always me."
1: And just like musically, you're you're creating new things with your instruments, and and melodically, you might take some influence from things you've heard before. You're not only repurposing things that you've heard before or have happened to you before. And lyrically, you would do the same thing. You're creating lyrically, you know, just like you are musically, I guess. Yeah, it's just, I mean, like,
0: you know, William Shakespeare didn't, not all, you know, Hamlet didn't happen to him. I mean, right. he did kind of steal right. that from the, whatever, <laughs> he stole that from the Vikings, but whatever, you know, like, uh, you He's know. A thief.
2: Yeah, for sure. And everybody is, I
0: mean, and that's yeah. the thing about art art creates art. Like, in, like witnessing art will create more art. And that's yeah. ha, that has always happened to me. I remember listening to Childish Gambino's uh, Awaken My Love, that whole album. And I was listening to it, and you listen to it in the first track, and you're like, okay, kind of a trap music thing, whatever. And then, like, it just goes, diverts into funkadelic, gnarly, funky, screaming, like just you know and that's the stuff that you know it's it's all performance stuff at that point it's like suddenly like oh damn he can sing his ass off like and that's that's so much of like the 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 music like the background bells and things like that and you know certain lines it's i can tell the difference and it's usually like vocals and like guitar solos where i'm really just like I've got to evoke some kind of emotion out of whoever is listening to this. And they need to know that I first off mean it. Like I am present like the the general vibe of this song, I mean it. I'm not half-assing this. Like you know, I uh going back to my song Time that I put out, I like sculpted this guitar solo and I ran it and I always try to get guitar solos in like one take because I'm a dork and <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. So I'm always trying to get these things, and I wrote this guitar solo, and I was playing it the same way 13 times, basically. And I remember on the last time I played it, and you can kind of hear it in the track, the last bend in that string, I broke the string, and I was like, I got it. (laughs) I was like, I'm good. Like, that's that's the one. That's the one. And I was like, all right, cool. So, you know, it's all just, uh, you know, eventually becomes, it's a performance. And again, you know actors and narrators and you know all that kind of stuff it's all acting and it's getting those emotions out of people so that's kind of what i'm trying to do with this stuff
1: more from andrew in just a few moments I want to remind you you can find his music at andrewthelston.com, or you can go straight to any streaming service or a music download service and just search andrew thelson or Andrew Thelston band and i'm sure you will find it there don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, WNC Original Music, wherever you get your podcasts or go to WNCOriginalMusic.com. Clarifications and corrections from last week's episode with the Get Right Band. Uh, Harold Pinter is a British playwright and screenwriter, and Pinterest is a website that I think is about yarn, maybe? Anyway, we were both right.
3: Okay. Hi, this is Steph Barcelona from Crave Amico.
1: Hola, soy Steph Barcelona del grupo Crave Amico.
3: And you're listening to WNC Original Music.
1: Y estás escuchando WNC Música Original.
2: i Been...
0: yeah that's another one with Roddy Wilder playing bass and this is actually the first song that we recorded for this EP and another one where I was you know kind of getting back into you know working with Jeff and having him kind of incorporate his ideas into the beat and stuff he came up with an awesome beat for this and it's like I wrote that bass line again for Roddy to kind of you know kind of showcase his abilities on that six string bass and it just like it's got the right amount of thump and like that rhythm section just kind of moves and that's another one um i wasn't playing the telecaster at the time because i didn't have it at the time but i did buy a cheap stratocaster and that's the <laughs> that's the guitar parts on that so again i should have called this album uh or this ep uh andrew andrew meets the single coils or something but you know
1: I love that guitar part there was one i don't even i mean is it even really a a solo or kind of a breakdown guitar breakdown but i love that that sound in there that's the telecaster though i had the
0: telecaster for the guitar solo and then i had the um the rest of that was basically strats and les paul's so
3: i was gonna say i love your percussive attack on this oh thanks you you have such a nice texture and i think that's probably if i play guitar that would be the fun part of recording is how can you add feel and texture with guitar because there's so much cool like percussive like really kind of it's all percussion yeah
0: it's all everything that we do like i mean i'm a huge james brown fan and like you know everything is a drum like that is a thing that he pre he preached to all of his musicians and like you know it is it's all rhythm that's how you get people to move and i love playing rhythm guitar like you know with me kind of teaching lessons over the years like i kind of tell them i'm like look like the fluttery like lose your mind guitar (laughs) solos those are great those are fun but like you're not going to you're not going to be able to like get the same reaction out of a song with just a lead guitar and even look at people like steve vai and and eddie van halen eddie van halen is one of the greatest rhythm guitar players ever nobody ever talks about it you want something hard to play uh beautiful girls off of van halen too I had a buddy of mine recently, he was like, oh, you know what I want for my birthday? And I was like, what? He's like, I want you to play Beautiful Girls, the intro, on guitar. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, just send me a video of you playing it. I was like, okay. I'm like, I learned it and I was like, oh, shit, this is really
1: hard. That's how I feel about uh, Dance the Night Away. I mean, that's a great riff yeah and it's just a rhythm guitar riff. and there's
0: no guitar solo in it and right. it's
1: just yeah, right. that riff and there's so many And they were a dance band right i mean they were a dance
3: band in the late 70s they were yeah. they, the whole thing was dancing
0: they knew how to get people moving i mean even like jamie's crying yeah. but yeah. they're getting people moving like
3: yeah he played these great riffs and then I, I was thinking the same thing about you that you go from really tasteful rhythmic percussive stuff into a soaring guitar solo when it's appropriate.
0: And I'm a huge John Froshani fan. And, like, you know, he's one of my favorite guitar players, and I've seen him live twice. And, you know, like, and even, like, in his... And you can tell in the recordings, it's the same kind of thing, where, like, you know, he would just kind of... He just cuts loose, and he's, like, he's just running it. And, like, yes, I kind of write some licks here and there, but, like, you know, I really just kind of just you know, I'm trying to evoke emotion out of whatever I write. And sometimes, like, on the, um, you know, talk with me, that's all improv. That's me being, like, just doing a couple different passes and being like, that's the one. I like that. And then you look at a guitar solo, like on this one, I wrote those licks, but I'm trying to keep it, you know, keep the energy up and keep it moving into some kind of, like, oh, this is going somewhere, he means something, like, that's, you know, that, you know, that was a a written guitar solo, and that was the thing whenever I was, like, in college, probably because I was, you know, drinking the jazz Kool-Aid, as they say, uh, with everybody being like, oh, I got improv, man, improv, 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 like, Miles Davis, and I'm like, yeah, cool, like, Miles Davis could do that all day, and all that kind of stuff, and, like, recently, with my own stuff, you know, I, I've, i like writing guitar solos i like writing them out for certain songs it just depends on the song like you know the the ones that i really kind of improv through it's a different feel it's a different like emotion that i'm trying to get to and the ones that i write there's still that emotion but it's like more of like a you know guitar acrobats going back to eddie van halen i mean eddie van halen is like he's the reason i started playing guitar Mm. Which is weird if you look at how old I am. Right. <laughs> because I started playing guitar when I was 12, yeah. so that would have yeah. put...
1: He had switched to keyboard by then.
0: 90, yeah, that was 99, 2000. And I remember my mom blasting Balance, which is a great album. Like a really good guitar album. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know what you... Uh, what, what's your vote real quick with Hagar versus Roth?
1: I, I, like, uh, I like Sammy Hagar. I like their first album. The first thing, they did, they did two albums. Yeah, fifty-one fifty. Oh,
0: eight-one-two. Fuck balance. About, you should go back and you should go back and listen to Balance. That there's some really yeah, good stuff good. on that album. For the record, I'm a Diamond Dave guy. The first, and, uh, you far. would be. You would. Yeah. <laughs> I like his subtlety. Uh, but yeah, I you know Eddie Van Halen. I just everything that guy did was just phenomenal. The first real guitar that I bought, like first good one, is a PV Wolfgang. Mm. I love when you play that. It definitely that that whammy bar and the ability for it to not go out of tune whenever you use the whammy bar just really makes me want to use that whammy bar the whole time. But I use yeah. it for recording. I've got, you know, I don't know, 12 guitars uh, in my collection right now and I use all of them. Like when I especially when I'm stacking guitar lines and stuff and in driving like I use that Strat a lot in the, the main um Rhythm stuff and uh, like the Les Paul and the SG just crunch right through, and then I've even got like a court jazz guitar, and that uh, the any any wobble you hear is usually that Eddie Van Halen the the Wolfgang PV, and uh, yeah, just different sounds for different things, and that's how I like to. I watched some video with some guy who's like, oh, I use the same guitar but I use different amps when I stack guitars, so and I was like, screw that, <laughs> like I like you know having the different guitar sounds together. And that's kind of like more of a Brian May uh, stacking thing that he would do, you know, where he would kind of use, you know, just, you know, and it was usually the same guitar, but he would change the sound on that guitar right. to kind of right. evoke, you know, single coil, out of phase, more of a Les Paul sound, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I like those just with different guitars.
3: Andrew, I'd cut you off. How? Because how, your age doesn't make sense for your influences. <laughs> I know. So it, is it
0: was it from your mom? My dad is lucky if he can play a radio. Um okay. you know, like but my mom, she uh was a drummer in high school, um, which is awesome. You know, she had like a yeah. really nice pearl kit in the you know, from the seventies and she played like marching snare drum and stuff, uh, you know, and marching band and you know, she she definitely was like she she is like the main musical influence. My earliest memories is listening to like boston and aerosmith tapes in her honda prelude mm. you know that's like some of my earliest memories just like listening to to that stuff and you know i remember just it, probably about the time probably cause she just played it all the time she loves sammy hagar too so that's probably why i'm drinking the sammy kool-aid <laughs> yeah. so much yeah. but um yeah i remember her just blasting balance all the time and i remember being like oh that's a good like between eddie van halen and joe perry i was like that's a guitar like, I'd heard the Beatles, and I, like, knew that they were guitar players, but I was like, Eddie Van Halen, that's a guitar. Yeah. Like, there is a big difference between George Harrison and Eddie Van Halen as far as, like, you know, the the sounds and all, you know, the technique and everything. So I just remember being like, oh, that is, that's a guitar right there. And then, you know, yeah, my influencers they are they're super
3: weird. <laughs> Based on your age, you should be, like, a big Limp Bizkit fan. Did you go through, <laughs> like, that phase? Ugh. Were you listening to popular music? Oh, oh Wow, God. you're really outing me. Yeah. You're really outing me on this <laughs> podcast. Um, but I mean, did you also listen to that kind of stuff, like with your friends, or was it all... like,
0: What are you trying to What are you trying to, say? You trying to start right
3: here? Right? Um, <laughs> no, no. I, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm setting you up to say that you were above all that. Was not above any of that. <laughs> I I I never. Owned My a, first favorite band was Motley Crue, so I I can't really. Uh, all
0: right, fair enough. Um, I yeah. never owned a Limp Biscuit CD or album, uh, but I definitely listened to them for sure. I mean, it was on the radio. all
1: Who's your most recent influence? Where you can say, I mean, not just somebody you hear on the radio and you like, but where you think, okay, I like what they're doing that has moved me to not copy them but like rethink a little bit what i'm doing or trying to do something
0: that childish gambino album blew me away there's definitely like my life and then like oh let's go this way now after listening that childish gambino album which it's really just listening to his kind of funkadelic influences and stuff that he liked when he was younger um thundercat is another like i like a lot of what he does and I like Thundercat a lot because he's like really satirical with a lot of his songs. They're not, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek with some of those lyrics where you... I hear a cat over there, um, you know, on one of your microphones. And uh, so like he writes songs about his cats and stuff, like these goofy songs. And it's cool because it's like music needs to be fun as much as it needs to be like emotional and stuff. Courtney, if you don't stop that cat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that cat's going through
0: something. I'm talking. Tell that cat I'm talking. Is that cat okay? (laughs) Sorry.
3: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. He's thirsty.
2: Sometimes I feel like a shell.
0: This was, a, you know, we we bought a house um, about a year and a half ago. And, like, I told my wife, I was like, look, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care where it is. I don't care how big it is, whatever. That's all your problem. I want two things, a wood stove and I want a studio. And that's what we got. And, like, it's a beautiful house. It's a wonderful house. And she's, you know supportive enough to be like yeah here take this extra room that's in the basement and turn it convert it into a studio and this was the first song that i wrote in that house and the demo i like i was talking about this the other day where the the vocals in the demo are so there's so much vibe to it where like you can kind of hear like the explosion on the microphone and stuff because I didn't have anything in the room it was my amp and I had the computer I had and I was just like oh I gotta get this idea down and I kind of wrote these chords and I was like oh that's kind of spooky and kind of weird and kind of an odd chord progression and these notes and stuff so I was like I was like this is some this is going to be a good one but I had to again just sort of let it digest and a lot of times whenever I get these demos I'll put them together and I'm like Okay, I really like this right now. Let me get the idea all the way down. I remember just basically recording vocals and guitars all in like maybe two days or something. I got it all the way down, and I kind of knew production-wise, I wanted to start with a you know uh, uh, drum machine and then go into like the actual drum part and all that kind of stuff, and you know have the intro kind of loud ish intro and then go into the song. I knew the production stuff that I wanted, but I was also like, I don't know. And there's been plenty of times of this too where I've written these songs and I'm like, it's a great song. I can't put that out. Hmm. And with this one, I was like, oh, kind of on the fence about it. And I was playing it for my uh, wife a couple months ago. And she was like, this is a really good song. And I was like, oh whoa, praise from Caesar over here. <laughs> like, like, that means something, because she's, you know, and that's, that's the kind of stuff where, like, I kind of have to trust other people's opinions on this stuff, where I'm like, I know it's a good song, but I don't know if it's for me, and, like, that was one where I was like, this is one for me, and I just went through it, and this is another one where I had, you know, and the way that I record all this stuff, too, I have a demo, give it to Jeff, Jeff writes something. We start with drums. That's something I learned from years of being into the police and stuff was, like, you know, uh, the band, not the authority figures. Um,
1: <laughs> he backs the is what he's trying to say. <laughs> yeah,
0: anyway, um, so they always started with, like, um, Stuart Copeland playing drums, and then they would stack everything on top of that, and that's a really effective way to get, like, a good sound because sometimes you have to, like, change a guitar part, change a key, all that kind of stuff. It's not fitting a singer and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, like, you know, with this one, I, I kind of... It was just with all these songs, kind of stacking Jeff up to begin with gives me the ability to have him play to the track, feel the track, but then we are playing to him. And he is like the, you know, he's got, you know, the way that he plays too, like... Sometimes he's laying back. Sometimes he's really aggressive and on top of the beat and stuff. So, like, it's it's nice to be able to play to him. And he is the click at that point. So, like, whatever slight human inconsistencies he might have, it doesn't matter because we are tracking to him. So we are locked what in. What is
3: he playing to? Um, is he playing to, like, a scratch track? Or yeah, he's,
0: he's or? usually playing, like, the demo. I usually give him the okay. demo, and then we kind of just sculpt it together.
1: So the demo is to a... Like it's, it's a click track demo. Yeah,
0: exactly. Tab. And that's kind of, that's, that's what I've learned over the years is like, first off, <laughs> whatever you do, do it to a click. Even if it's a demo, do it to a drum machine or something because, and I found this out because a fair amount of this EP is parts of the demo. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, this sounds, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to achieve that again. Let yeah. me just put it in the, the track and that's what we do. So, um, you know, that's what I did. And I was like, yep, this is just too good for me to try to recreate this, you know, after the fact.
3: Is that, is that the initial vocal? Because uh, you said you really loved the vocal that you did. And I, I have a note here that I, I love that it's... I love how, like, forward and present that vocal is. Like, it's, it's a different kind of vocal feel it took
0: me It took me a while to get that vibe back. But it's <clears throat> parts of it, yes, parts of it, no. And I use, yeah. you know, I'm, it's just like guitar stuff where I track so many different uh, vocals and stack them up. I'm a big Queen fan, so like I really, you know, that's the band, not the uh, Monarch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, With that one, there are elements of the demo that are still in there.
1: I used to, I was in a band a few years ago, ago, and there was a guy, guy, uh, uh, one of those guys 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 in in the band, he would make a demo, and and he was so great at making these demos, demos that we usually did not not get to the point where we sounded as good as his demo. Yeah, he's making his, like his own, own demo, and we were and like, we were like oh, man, Chad, man, Chad, I wish we sounded, I feel bad, because we cannot sound as good as, good as, good as, do as you do. Like yeah, a demo. Demo yeah. There. yeah. No, but it's
0: been, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, so I, you know, I always kind of lay everything down to a demo, have him do it to a demo, and then we just do it to him, um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's that's the best results, because then it's like, you know, and we're working on the next EP already, And there's definitely a song on there that we're going to track live together, like no click or anything, and really let it be the amoeba of a real, you know, us playing together.
1: All right, I want to thank Andrew Thelston from the Andrew Thelston Band for being on the podcast. I like the end, the the interview on that kind of like upswing, like he's about to say something else, but uh, he didn't really, so it didn't matter. Again, you can find his new EP, Illuminated Plastic, at all of the streaming and download music services. Don't forget to find that. It's a really great EP. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, lot of influences. Uh, it goes in a lot of different directions. I think you will be uh, very pleased with it. Uh, uh, highly recommend it. also want to thank Courtney Cahill for being on the podcast as the guest interviewer. I think the first guest interviewer uh, first official guest interviewer. There was a guy in the back when he did a live show one time. He was just yelling out stuff. I guess that's more of a heckler. Don't forget to subscribe one more time to the podcast WNC Original Music wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening to it on a podcast player right now, I think you can just hit subscribe probably. Just do that. Simple. For the closing song this week, we've got our dear, dear friends from the Hilly Band. Uh, they've been on the podcast a couple of times before. I just love their stuff. This is their song, Why Can't You Say. They come by Asheville every once in a while. You can find them at the Band, Vakili Band, thekiliband.com. Have a good week.
2: Why can't you say that you love me? Why can't it be true That when you wrap your arms around me You feel the way that I do I'm not asking for the universe I'm not asking the moon I'm just asking for three simple words or I'm asking for the truth Why can't you say that you love me Why can't it be true What a fool is, what a fool does. What a fool is, what a fool does, a fool does. And this fool loves. A lot of people say it's because I don't know how good I am.